The video game and computer game industry has absolutely exploded over the past decade, with this form of entertainment bringing in more money than the film and television industry combined. It only makes sense that the token economy would find its way into the gaming world, as esports and custom digital assets are becoming big business. Today, we welcome Alex Kazesevich to the show to discuss this trend and how their company is taking blockchain and gaming to the next level. It's the beep-boop, waka-waka-waka, beep-boop-boop-boop-boop, episode number 182 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast with all the video game sounds. <laughs> there we go. That was, that's my complete. Ar- that's a complete arsenal that I know. Video games. There's, I guess. Finish him. Finish him. Oh yeah, that that should be what we say at the end of every episode. <laughs> no, when we're talking to an ICO, that's like we look at it and go, mm, this one's not too good. Yeah. Finish him. It's the show for the crypto curious and crypto serious. And welcome to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. He's Travis Wright. I'm Joel Kahn. And we are the blockchain blockheads. We don't pretend to know a lot about blockchain or crypto. We just know a little and we like to talk about it. Well, you know what? We've been doing this now for over a year. I think we've learned quite a little bit. I don't know too many people out there at this point who have interviewed as many blockchain projects as we have i mean we've chatted with over 200 we've interviewed about another 100 people on the show i mean they all have more knowledge than we do but i think over time we have to be you know via osmosis have gained some knowledge don't know much about litecoin cash (laughs) but i know i got a little stash actually i (laughs) <laughs> a future episode uh, for those of you that didn't see Bad Crypto Live at the Litecoin Summit, which we just got back from, um, we we did a crypto pitch from the stage, and the Litecoin Cash guy had thirty seconds on stage, and I I had Litecoin at the time of the fork, so somewhere I have a small stack of Litecoin Cash that's probably worth about fifty cents. Mm, that's so exciting! Yeah, they're worth about three cents a piece, man. That's pretty baller. So I, I will hodl that because it's not worth even finding it to sell it. Well, that's what you do. You're the hodl master. I am. Hey, so today's show is all about computer and video gaming and blockchain. We were introduced to this uh, gentleman, Alex Kazesovich. Kazesovich, I think it's pronounced. It actually looks like Kazesovici, but you know how sometimes letters aren't pronounced. It's Kasasevich. He's with a company called Azurus.io, and they're doing uh, cool things in the online game challenge network on blockchain. So I, you know me, I'm a gamer. I enjoy blockchain and gaming together. It's like two of my favorite things. And so I think you guys are going to like this interview. I get super excited when we begin seeing blockchain solutions in an arena that I'm already passionate about. And for me, you know, I've been playing video games since video games were in existence. I mean, it went from pinball machines to Pong to Space Invaders, and the rest is history. Uh, now, now, Travis, I know you're not much of a gamer. You prefer to stack real skills. 
You know, I I used to spend a lot of time playing video games. Then I realized, like, holy cow, I'm playing a lot of time on these video games. I should be doing other stuff. And so I don't spend much time playing video games. However, I did have Pong. I did have the Atari. My last video game system that I personally played was the Nintendo 64. That was when I stopped. My my last game system I officially played was the PS4, and I played on it yesterday. <laughs> played on it yesterday? Nice. Yeah. And we have a gentleman with us today who is the founder of a company that is uh, helping people to uh, tokenize video game tournaments and betting in a fair, reliable, and transparent platform. The platform is called Azurus, and the gentleman's name is Alex Kasasevich, and he is with us today. Welcome, Alex. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, the website is azarus.io, A-Z-A-R-U-S.io, but uh, we're here today to talk about uh, gaming on the blockchain. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the the earliest token economy in a video game. Where where did we see that? Uh, actually, way earlier than any of the platforms that you mentioned, uh, the uh, the first appearance of a token actually dates back to 1976. That's fairly old. Uh, it's an, it was in a game. I'm not sure you guys heard about that game. It was pretty, uh, pretty niche because 1976 was really the early days. It's called Zorks. So it's actually the brainchild of a couple of MIT uh, college students. And they invented the first in-game currency, which was called the Zorkmeet. So it was really like a dungeon and dragon type of game. We had to uh, go through the, uh, the dungeons uh, and collect the Zogmeets by performing actions, uh, beating bosses, and so on and so forth, and do Zogmeets. You were in a long maze of twisty passages. Yeah. I, I remember Zork very well. <laughs> I still oh, wow. own a, uh, a floppy disk, five and a quarter inch uh, floppy disk copy of the first one that was released by Infocom and probably played just about every sequel oh, that came out. Oh, my God. So hodl to it. <laughs> yep, I, I, I know what a Zork mid is. I'm super impressed. There are not that many of us have, have actually ended up playing, playing it. Really well, I am nice. super impressive, you know, so um, there's that. So, yeah, actually, Mr. Joel Kahn had one of the most comprehensive and complete video game and software libraries of all time until he recently moved and sold it, sold it to, to a million pieces. Right, Mr. Joel Kahn? Well, actually, I still own it. It's sitting in a storage, and I have a gentleman who's supposed to be selling it off for me. Uh, but yeah, I'm into vi vintage computer games, so totally get it. Uh, so the Zork Mid. Yep. First, uh, first appearance of a virtual currency ever. So, you know, what, what's really fascinating is that everything that the uh, game industry has invented over the past, what, 30 years are uh, things that we're using now to build the token economy. So it's very, very impressive to see that the same game loops methodology, creating short, mid, long-term incentives, uh, those treaties type of currency from the soft, the hard, and the, the tickets type of currency, all those ideas that were designed by game developers to incentivize people into making action to push them uh, towards what you want as an ecosystem to, uh, to achieve. Well, those, those, that playbook has been written out by game designers over the past 30 to 40 years. And that's pretty cool to see that how it translates nowadays in the uh, blockchain economy. Very interesting. So, I mean, you know, even thinking about way back in the day with, you know, pinball machines and video games, we all actually had to put real fiat currency in to play those video games back in the day. And, and now... 
people are actually able to earn cryptocurrency by playing some of these games. And so maybe tell us how has the space evolved and what are you seeing some interesting use cases of crypto within video games today? Well, there's so many different cases. I'll start with the uh, really easy ones, which I dubbed the uh, initial item offerings. So basically, a lot of indie games are trying to fund their developments by pre-selling items in that translate into the blockchain in non-fungible digital items. So you've probably seen CryptoKitties, well, you must have seen CryptoKitties, really hard to avoid that one. Uh, so uh, yeah, so those items basically are unique pieces of IP that you own on the blockchain and that you can transfer, sell, and hopefully that may or may not increase in value. So that's the big idea here. So if you're an indie developer and you have a really cool IP, you make those nice drawing, the nice characters, and you can create a framework where those characters have valued, have an early value that can be appreciated by the players early on before even the game is released. But that's an opportunity for you to start selling that off and uh, getting some initial seed money from future players, a little like a Kickstarter and then those players get rewarded because they already have some pretty cool characters that would be fairly unique and that are provably unique uh, on the blockchain uh, to play it with, with your game when it gets released. So that's really like the, uh, the, uh, the easy thing that any indie game developer should consider nowadays. Uh, you have cool IP, cool ideas. It's really uh, a unique opportunity to get some seed money from actual players, get them involved in the development of the game. A little like a Kickstarter, but so much more uh, because you really have that connection. You own actually a unique piece of IP from the game. The, the gaming industry is just becoming massive. There's 2.2 billion people around the world that play games. There's only 7.5 billion people in the whole world. So 2.2 billion spend hundreds of billions each year in in this space. And the esports arena is just beginning to blow up i they're they're filling arenas in some places for you know league of legends and overwatch and uh and these different games this phenomenon is just getting started right oh we are such in very early days it's, it looks big already but if if you're not a gamer and you're not you're not into you've probably never watched a uh, video game tournament yet this is going to change um i was in paris like Two weeks ago for the finale of the Rainbow Six Major League, the atmosphere in that, uh, in that arena was through the roof. It's so, it's, it's so vivid. It's just like any other sport, it really you have the same level of uh, dopamine excitement that's going on in those, uh, in those, uh, in those arenas. And, you know, it, it, there's a still a long way to mature. Like you mentioned, this is going to be just as big as sports in general. And yet there are quite a few things missing uh, when you look at... Uh, the ability to create challenges, to put skin in the game, to make some like casual bets, all those things are still missing out. The uh, But it's a field that's growing up really, really fast. And that's one of the things we're doing, actually, with others. We're building those challenges on top of games, allowing people to interact one with another, with the streamers, streamers versus viewers. We create those little opportunities for uh, putting some skin in the game, getting some excitement up and engaging a little more beyond the actual gaming stuff, which is just like sport when you go watch baseball. It's not, it's about baseball, but it's also about the casual bets that you can make with your friends watching it. It's about getting a beer and enjoying the show. So it's all those aspects that make for a great show. And uh, that's where the uh, the esports and the video games in general are heading to. It's the kind of level of excitement and show, showmanship. 
then so maybe let's talk about the token economy in video games now today because you know we've had a few people on the show we've had esports on the show which is a, is a company we've had engine coin on the show and they've talked about how they're they're using these tokens within games and then we've also talked a lot about kick and their kin coin and how that's starting to permeate through you know various different offers and games and different things that they're going to start doing with that so maybe talk about the um the token economy in in video games and and how you see them evolving that's a very very interesting question because i feel like a lot of people in the a lot of those projects that you mentioned are in front of very tough challenge you know if you look at the um the way that those things have been approached by uh, crypto companies they always uh, assume that it's going to be easy to take items from within the game uh, create a marketplace and build an economy on top of it well this is definitely true for indie games if you're an indie game and you have the means to uh to look really closely at your economy and stabilize it and make it uh even so that the players really enjoy that side of the, of the equation, that's fine. And we have some great successes paving the way. Even Line uh, is one of the games that was the most successful at, at creating that level of uh, economy and at balancing it in a very, very precise way. And I know Dr. Ayo, he's one of our advisors. He was the guy, the person who really created and monitored that economy, the chief economic officer of Even Line. And a lot of people, just to clarify, a lot of people don't know, EVE Online uh, is a computer ba- a computer game, and it's kind of like a, um, a space simu- econ- economy simulation, right? It's, you know, where you're trading with other people, and uh, but it's not, it's not like a visual video game. It's done differently, isn't it? That's right. And it's really fascinating because you can have so many different roles. You can be like a trader, you can be a uh, pirate that goes on and try to uh, to, to just steal from uh, from, from the traders. So you have d- different aspects, and and really, what was fascinating with the uh, creation of that economy is that every single morning, Doctor Ayo would wake up, look at the statistics, go to see the game designer, and say, "Hey, see the changes we made yesterday, uh, change the supply and demand of those objects, and kind of unbalance in that way. How can we?" tweak those parameters to make them better and to rebalance the whole equation. And that was like a daily thing for years. So it's it's actually extremely hard to balance an economy. And when you look at it from the perspective of a uh, AAA publisher, so someone that just invested like almost a billion dollars creating a game, Diablo 3, for instance, had a marketplace. It was an utter failure, not because the guys aren't smart, but just because it's really hard to balance. And when you have to uh, to um, to like when you when you need, when you need to have your revenue kicking in and you have shareholders looking at the bottom line, you can't just experiment on the scale of those games. So Diablo Three actually stopped his uh, marketplace. Uh, the Sims had a marketplace where you could create um, items to play in the game, and they stopped it too. Most of all the very big AAA games that had that level of uh, of economy ended up uh, deciding that it wasn't worth the trouble just because every tiny mistake, well, that's um, millions of dollars, basically, of revenue lost in the ether, literally. So it's uh, it's really, really tough uh, when it comes to uh, getting uh, those things nailed down as a AAA publisher. That said, as an indie game developer, that's a huge opportunity to involve the, uh, the community and get people to um, to get 
some skin in the game to uh, spend more time trading, looking at the metrics, looking at the uh, the items, and getting excited about what's going on in that world. That's a huge opportunity. But as I said, for all those companies, there's real chance from going from the indies uh, to the uh, the AAA publishers and the really really big games because unfortunately there's no silver bullet here. There's no methodology that works. Just hard work and paying attention every day and iterating, iterating. And most of the big games just don't adjust really well for that. So, Alex, what is uh, Zeris then, and how are you facilitating this growth? Oh, we, we have really a, a very different approach. What we do is we partner with publishers. They give us access to information about what's going on in the games, and we use that to create challenges. Um, so one of the first things that we did, we uh, we just launched on Twitch on Rainbow Six uh, with a set of uh, sex streamers and Twitch's support, an extension where when the player, the streamer streams the game, uh, as he streams, some questions pop up that are related to the action he did, or the action he may be doing, and letting the viewers basically uh, choose what they think has happened or will happen and place a bet, basically. It's not really a bet because they don't, they don't pay money at that stage, but you, you kind of like you have to, 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 to stake a little bit. And if you win, you just earn tokens that you can then redeem in the store for for for, uh, for some goods that are provided by uh, by Ubisoft Rainbow Six credit cards, and um, and so that tool thing is really about leveraging of the data, knowing what's going on, and creating that connection where people play about play based on what happens in the actual game. So we notarize everything in the blockchain. We we run on EOS. We we are one of the first projects running on EOS. Uh, it was a choice really early on, kind of a bet, but I'm really glad we made that bet because we feel very strong about that ecosystem. And uh, and that first situation between the viewers and the streamers is going to expand then between viewers, between groups of viewers altogether. And it's a pretty interesting way. Uh, Opana really see that as the, basically a new tool in that new generation of game. Basically, Fortnite was really, in 2018, uh, a wake-up call for everyone looking, showing that, hey, Hardcore free-to-play game is a thing that can scale to hundreds of millions of players, not just like a few tens of millions that we had before. So now that you have hardcore free-to-play games being a thing, you actually need tools to be able to engage, interact with your community, and there's no playbook today really that does that well. So that's kind of where we fit in by having uh, well, there's all those opportunities to build challenges and get people to get excited all together on top of the game and getting that little extra spike of dopamine because we make we allow some skin in the game. Now, I want to ask you about this because there's been a big, uh, you know, we, we you you briefly mentioned Crypto Kitties, and you know I noticed that MLB Major League Baseball is having this new MLB Crypto, so they can like trade different players and stuff. So is that is this a game? Is this like a trading phenomenon and using tokens and and tradables? Is that something that's that's going to start gaining traction? You think? Very good question. So the um, the answer Benny uh, from CryptoKitties usually gives that it's, it's an experience, and that basically says it's not a game. You know, a game really um, has a few characteristics. It, it's something. It's like a place you go. And you do the same action over and over again for a reward. And uh, as you progress, you have like short-term, mid-term, long-term incentives that show up that gets you like from a, um, going into like exiting a dungeon to saving the princess, basically. And like you have really that progression, that progression that has to be there, as well as the grinding where you have to uh, come and do that thing over and over again. 
CryptoKitties doesn't have any of that. So it's really about collecting kitties, like mixing them, creating new kitties, uh, breeding them, and then that's that's about it. So it's really more about the IP and what's on the case. It's more like a trading card game, to be honest. It's really, uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of the experience, only you can't really play the kitties. So now you have quite a lot of uh, new projects based on the kitties, trying to play with them and putting them in action. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out and how people really engage with uh, with those games built on top of the uh, the layer of the, uh, the the cards that exist, kitties that exist. It's a it's a, it's a it's a challenge. You know, it's it's something really new that we need to pay attention for because uh, definitely they they are the first one to reach a, a decent amount of scales and ownership of those uh, uh, digital. I want my cats to fight. I want my I want to fight Travis's cats, but he lost them so. No, I want to. I want to merge my crypto kitty with like Babe Ruth. <laughs> but, but that said, you know the um what what they did in the level of, of of visibility that they got is super super awesome. That really helped a lot for a lot of people to uh, to to put like a meaning on top of Ethereum. What's the blockchain? Where it's a place where you can own kitties and breed them and resell them, and that's already quite awesome in terms of education for the uh for for for, for the larger the bigger number. So it's uh it's 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 amazing that they, they they got this. I think the next challenge in where really recurs to see is how are we going to be actually using the kitties in a fun way through games uh, in a way that scares and that gets people excited too. And making a game is always very hard. You know, I've, I've been working with so many indie game developers, even publishers in AAA games. Uh, it always, at the end of the day, feels like a toss of a coin. You may have the best IP, the best ideas, and sometimes things take up sometimes they just don't and it's really hard to predict success in that uh, in that field that said when you have a success it goes through the roof so we you know when we started with coins we had initial coin offerings but then some people are like oh we don't want to be known as a coin because it's we don't want it to be a security it's a token so they had itos initial token offerings and now people are even jittery about that well even your token might end up being a security so we have iios initial item offerings how does that work to finance a game so that's actually fairly simple. Uh, as a game developer, usually you are uh, you start by creating uh, the um, the uh, the IP of your games. So you create your characters, you create your art. So you have actually when you when you start designing the game, you already have a lot of insight about how the game is going to be working. What what is the fantasy? The, the notion of fantasy is really important when you create a game. It really sets you in a place and time in a in a realm uh, that where you define your own rules. Uh, so you have actually a lot of art and a lot of IP that is being designed and done early on. So basically, the IIO is just a way to turn that IP and make it uh, into an item and put it on sale. Uh, and the beauty of the blockchain is that you can easily say that this uh, character is going to be a super powerful knight with those kind of characteristics, and I'm going to be making only a thousand of them. And if you're really smart, you put like, 50% uh, on sale for the initial item offering and keep another 50% for you as a company to sell down the road as the uh, the trading increases the value and as uh, people, the demand, the demand for that character increases. And it's just about selling digital items. So it's you're selling goods basically that uh, cannot be used in the game just yet, but that will be there down the line. 
and that have clear visual and physical characteristics that you can uh, verify on the blockchain. And that's it. Ooh, like pre-order this badass sword. Oh, it's more than pre-order. That's the beauty of it. You actually own it. You can see it in your wallet. It's not. That's, yeah, that's my sword. You can't use it yet. Yeah, and you can sell your sword right. before the uh, game actually goes out. So there's a few companies, a few games that have been doing that. You have like Beyond the Void, Spell of Genesis. Gods and Chain is doing that right right now. Uh, they're pre-selling the cards, uh, decks of uh, cards for the new upcoming Gods and Chain game right now. So it's definitely something that's taking up steam. Uh, it's definitely legit. Uh, the only risk basically is whether the game is not fun. And like I said, there's not uh, zero risk. But uh, that said, if you like the art, if you know the team, if you are, if you are, if you like the concept of the game, getting early into initial item offering and getting those uh, those rare items early on is certainly a very good deal. I got to say though, Mr. Jolcom, that was a great question. I've never even heard of an initial item offering, so that was good. Well, there you go. That's good stuff. That's the thing. Very nice. I like it. If we were like going to play Uno, I like to do the initial item offering of unlimited draw four right. cards, and then I I would dominate everyone um so as, as one of the final question here you know you know what what are some of the interesting you know game experiments that that different companies are using blockchain for right is, is there some big companies like i heard that ubisoft might be doing some stuff like what about ea sports and some of these other big companies are they starting to experiment with blockchain and cryptocurrency is that something you're noticing yeah, for sure. So definitely a lot. There's a lot of thinking right now about how to accept cryptocurrencies uh, as a means of payment for in-app purchases, uh, for in-game purchases. So I know that a lot of companies are considering this to some extent with, unfortunately, a lot of uh, read of legal questions uh, attached to it. So I'm not saying this is going to happen anytime soon, but there's definitely there is a lot of interest. Uh, Ubisoft has been very forward-thinking in everything they've been doing on the blockchain. So uh, we were presenting with uh, with Nicolas, the uh, blockchain infrastructure manager at Ubisoft, uh, at a conference a few months ago. He shared like a small video of a prototype of what they call Hashcraft, which is basically a word generator uh, made on the blockchain. So the way this works is that anyone can create a seed, put that seed on the blockchain, and that's translate into a whole unique uh, virtual world where you can go and explore and compare and find hidden treasures and everything nails and narrows down basically from that seed that is being generated through a contract on the blockchain and is just right there for anyone to pop up and uh, explore in a visual way so that's pretty fascinating the way that they uh, that allows co-creation and uh, and yet everything happens in the open in a very distributed it's kind of like a little bit of first very distributed online world kind of thing. Um, so that's that's really fascinating, I think. And there, there are quite a few experiments, but they're definitely ahead of the curve right there. Uh, I'm in touch with most of the uh, the big publishers, and for sure, to such or such extent, everyone is looking at the blockchain, trying to understand how it's going to impact the, uh, the games, the way games are being made. And I think everyone is looking at it in a smarter way than you think. They're really looking at it in a way that how would blockchain enhance the gaming experience? Because at the end of the day, those guys are really good at making games, which is like creating a fantasy, creating uh, a prop, proper game loops, proper incentives, monetizing their games. So they 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 really have become quite masterful at those skills. Because, like I said, this dates back from 1976, so we have some kind of a learning curve already behind us, uh, and they're really looking at ways where 
crypto distribution and uh, and blockchain in general can have enhance and create new type of experiences. Um, so you mentioned earlier uh, the the kitties, but the fact that the kitties can be used in various games that's interesting. It comes with a lot of questions, but that's definitely something that uh, a few of those guys are thinking about. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. But you know. Every big company has its challenges. You mentioned EA earlier. Same goes for any big traded company. It's very hard those days when you make a game. And there's a lot of like complexity when it comes to monetizing properly. You've heard probably about the loot box uh, scandal that happened over, over the past few months. Kept a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the, the lawyers, in the uh, in-house lawyers of those companies busy. So um, when you're a big company investing a billion dollars making a game, uh, you look at the amount of risk you are able to take in a very, very uh, like precise way. That says they're all working on it, for sure. Maybe it's time to come full circle and somebody needs to issue a token called a Zorkmid, and then we can kind of get back to uh, the basics again. Uh, Alex, your website is azurus.io, and if you guys go check out the show notes, you'll find links to Alex's Twitter and article he's written about uh, esports and blockchain in the future. And uh, thanks for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ralph Travis, for, for everything. And uh... Looking forward to talking again. What say ye, Mr. Travis Wright? Well, you know, esports and these video games have taken on a life of their own, that's for sure. I mean, I have a couple of kids that love playing video games all the time, not only playing video games, but watching other people play video games. And when you start tokenizing things and adding these games to blockchain and and adding the gamification and helping people win and reward tokens and and plugging tokens into the game design. I mean, that's you get that younger generation, you know, very familiar with crypto early on. And that is one of the key metrics, I think, for mass adoption of crypto, getting that younger generation, because the older generation, how long did it take them to even get on the Internet forever? They're laggards, right? They there's a there's a lot of folks that just they just don't they don't do it. And so getting the younger generations involved, plugging crypto into gaming makes a whole lot of sense for adoption. You know, for whatever reason, the traditional sports are having fewer and fewer viewers, whether it's, you know, the local team suck, whether they don't like how, you know, these guys are getting paid a a ton uh, when, you know, the average person makes so much less or whether it's the political politicization of sports whatever the reason is fewer and fewer people are tuning into traditional sporting events and the younger generation is tuning in to um to to esports and so i think 20 years from now it's the the flip-flop the flippening of sports is really have going to happen not that traditional sports are going to go away because there's definitely something to be said for real athleticism which esports is not it's just not. The graphics uh, it, on some of these games are unbelievable. Like just yesterday, I was I was watching this because I was paying attention to the typhoon stuff that was going on over in in uh, China and uh, the Philippines. Well, not huge, huge typhoon, and a video came across my screen where this airplane was coming in for a landing and it was like teetering back and forth and then it ended up doing a barrel roll and like and then it landed and it did this crazy crash or whatever and that was all graphics. It was completely fake and it looked so real and we're getting to the point where it's going to be so hard to tell what is real and what is not real in the future 
And just based on how great the graphics are, how unbelievably realistic they look, especially in video games. Now you're playing some of these football video games and playing basketball games. I mean, the people look real, the court looks real. It looks like real time gaming and um, it's pretty unbelievable. And I know what you're saying about, you know, folks in, in real sports, you know, they're, they're kind of losing their luster. And for the last couple of years, I've not really been big on the NFL. However, I live in Kansas city and now we got this like second year quarterback uh, who has 10 touchdowns in his first two games. He's thrown. Wow. He threw six touchdowns yesterday. He has Dang. no interceptions. Like he's unbelievable. And so I'm like, I'm probably going to have to go back and watch more NFL because this kid is ridiculous. And the Chiefs have never had a rookie quarterback. They've, they haven't drafted anybody since the the early '80s when they got uh, when they when they when they drafted somebody in '83. And uh, this is the first quarterback they've drafted in the first round. And this guy is ridiculous. He just he, he's throwing these like laser. It's unbelievable to watch this kid. So I'll probably no, that, be watch. I'm, I'm probably going to be watching some more NFL on on Sundays now. Actually, that's super fun. You know, the Broncos here in Denver have won their first two, but both of them squeakers. You know, the first week they beat they beat the Seahawks, uh, and I guess it was. Uh, um, there was some sort of I didn't see the game, but I guess the Seahawks screwed up. But, you know, who cares? Because Denver always wants revenge on the Seahawks after the humiliation they put them through. And uh, last night, which will, will be of Sunday, I guess they won by one point at the last minute with the Raiders. It was a horrible game to watch from a friend of mine that said they had gone there. And so they're two and oh um, and uh, barely. So yeah, and the Chiefs and the Broncos are in the same division, so that could be kind of fun. Actually, this kid threw ten touchdowns. That's the most ever by an NFL quarterback in the first two games of of a season. Huh? How about that? And yeah. the, the Yay, football. Hey, join the conversation and talk about whatever you want. We like to talk about crypto and occasionally games and footballs and and other things. Go to the Bad Crypto Mastermind on Facebook at badco.in forward slash mastermind. And of course, we'd love to hear from you, the citizens of the Republic. The Bad Crypto Hotline is open 24-7. It never shuts down. You can pick up the phone anytime and call this number. Are you ready? Get something to write with or tattoo it on your arm, uh, it is your, yeah, shave it into your cat. That would be the easiest way to do it. The number is 708-885-9030. Give us a call and uh, say hello. Tell us, uh, you know, what you think of the show, a topic you'd like us to talk about, a token you'd like us to talk about, um, you know, talk football, whatever you want, or just call to say, stay bad. Make sure when you start your call, though, you say, hey, uh, this is who I am and this is where I'm calling from. So your name in your location speak clearly and brevity is the soul of wit i yes. said as i continued on and on and on. on and on and on and also uh you know we're looking for a couple telegram moderators because you know we're not always in there and sometimes there's some spam stuff that gets in that and so if we could have somebody who loves the telegram who's on telegram a lot uh and loves bad crypto we would love to maybe uh, promote you as a moderator dude stay bad Who's bad? 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.